I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 27 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about why I refuse to focus on Washington, D.C., With the presidential campaign heating up, people are starting to ask me, Hey, Mike, who's your candidate for president? My usual response is generally something like, Wait, what? You want a president? I'm only half joking. In all seriousness, I don't really care. During the 2012 election cycle, 10th Amendment Center Executive Director Michael Bolden challenged people to a wager. He would say, I bet you that no matter who wins the election, within one year, the federal government will be bigger, more intrusive, and deeper in debt than it was on Election Day. Now, if you're a progressive, the obsession with what happens inside the Beltway makes sense. If you want a powerful, centralized, monopolized national government, D.C. is your mecca. But if you believe in limited government, D.C. is a waste of time. Heck, I'd make Bolton's bet today in a second. Name the amount. Just pick one of these characters. Jeb, Cruz, Rubio, Trump, Chris Christie, Rand. Heck, I'll even throw in Gary Johnson for you libertarians out there. I guarantee you that a year after the 2016 election, the federal government will be bigger, more intrusive, more powerful, and more in debt than it was on Election Day. The truth is, it doesn't matter who wins this horse race. The federal government has taken on a life of its own. The bureaucracies keep right on humming along, pretty much unhindered, no matter who is in charge. Some of you that are old enough might remember the Republican Revolution of the 1990s. They were the limited government people, right? They were going to shrink the behemoth. Yeah, they didn't do that. In fact, so was Bush. He was a limited government guy. Even conservative icon Ronald Reagan didn't actually decrease the power or size of the federal government. But year after year, limited government people clamor to put their guy in the White House, swearing that this is the most important election of our lifetime. They will waste billions of dollars and all kinds of energy on something that doesn't really matter. Please listen to me very carefully. You will never solve America's problems running to Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is the problem. The system is fundamentally broken. You're not going to fix it by switching out a few parts. You have to change the way the machine works. 
You could only do that through some kind of outside influence. Believing that DC will fix itself is like expecting a toddler to change its own diaper. That child will sit in its own filth until the end of time unless somebody comes along and changes it. We need to change some diapers. That's for darn sure. Now, James Madison gave us a blueprint to limit the federal government. And he didn't say, spend a billion dollars to elect your guy to the Oval Office. He said, use the power of the states to resist federal power. As the father of the Constitution put it, quote, a means of opposition is powerful and at hand, unquote. Basically, Madison said that when the feds overreach their power, states and people should simply refuse to cooperate. Now, please understand something. I don't think state governments are all that great. Heck, I don't even think they're good. They aren't better than the federal government. I mean, governments are governments, and they are all going to violate our rights. But state governments are slightly easier to control, and they provide a source of power to counter federal power. If we're going to have to have governments, we are much better off having power dispersed through a number of them rather than having a centralized monopoly government controlling everything. That's the system we are heading toward, and it's certainly not the one that was intended by the founders. They believed in political decentralization. Think about it. The political class in D.C. controls virtually every aspect of your life, down to the kind of light bulb you screw into your fixtures and the toilet you crap in. Here's the thing. The feds have an Achilles heel. They depend on the states to help them implement pretty much all of their programs and to enforce a lot of their laws. When the states simply say, no, we are not going to help, the feds can't do a lot of the things they want to do. This is exactly what Madison envisioned. He said even a single state refusing to cooperate could create impediments to federal actions. And he said a number of states could create obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. And this was during a time when the federal government was conceived as being pretty limited to start with. Today, it does even more and depends even more on the states than when Madison was writing. Madison's advice is even more powerful than he could have ever imagined at the time. If you want a perfect example, just consider all of the states that have legalized marijuana, either for medical use or completely. This despite a complete federal ban. The feds simply cannot enforce prohibition when half the states thumb their noses at them, and that's exactly what's happening. So this is why I focus most of my attention on working at the state level. I do it, and I see actual results. So here's a question for you. Have you ever called your congressman? I have. I mean, that's what they tell you you're supposed to do, right? You have a problem. You know, you hate what's going on. You, you call your congressman. Well, I did that, and I talked to an intern. And about a month later, I got a form letter thanking me for my input. You don't just walk in to your congressman's office and talk to him. Well, unless maybe you're part of some kind of photo op or something. But the other day, I drove to Frankfurt, and I spent 30 minutes talking to a state rep about a bill to refuse state cooperation with enforcement of federal gun laws. This representative was interested and engaged, and she's planning on working with me to introduce a strong bill. I could never have had that kind of influence on my congressman, Andy Barr, or on my senator, Mitch McConnell. They aren't going to listen to me. They aren't going to give me the time of day. But state reps, 
They will. We have a much stronger influence on our state government than we can on the behemoth in Washington, D.C. You, yes, you can make a difference in your state. I'm not special. I just made the effort. For the last five years, I've been working for the 10th Amendment Center. I've seen the nullification movement grow by leaps and bounds. States are putting Madison's blueprint into practice. Last year, we were tracking over 400 bills in state legislatures across the country that would somehow limit federal power. This is an organization that's doing real work and making a real impact. But let me be really honest with you for a moment. And I really hate even getting into this. This is not something that I'm terribly comfortable with, but we're in the middle of our annual fundraising drive at TAG. I'm not even all that involved in it, but I still hate it. It stresses me out every single year. Did you know the Heritage Foundation spends over $80 million per year? $80 million. Meanwhile, our budget at the 10th Amendment Center has never even cracked six figures. So every year, there's this huge stress about whether or not we're going to be able to keep going. And honestly, sometimes I wonder how long I'll be able to keep it up, just from a financial standpoint. I mean, I get paid a little bit, but not nearly in proportion to the amount of work I do. Meanwhile, people will pour billions of dollars into the presidential election this year. Just a tiny, minuscule pittance from that pile of cash would enable us to change the face of American politics. But everybody is still too obsessed, genuflecting towards Washington, D.C. Now, I don't mean to complain. Seriously, I do what I do because I believe in it, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. But it would be nice to have the resources we need. It would be nice to be able to just focus on the work and not have to worry about keeping the lights on every month. And it would be nice to see my friend Michael Bolden's passion and dedication rewarded. You know, he started the 10th Amendment Center with 100 bucks and a web domain, and it's grown into this major national movement. Seriously, I wish you could see how hard he works. He literally puts in 70 hours a week a lot of times. He lives a stripped-down lifestyle so he can dedicate himself to this fight for liberty. His sacrifice is extraordinary, and quite frankly, it inspires me. All that to say, we could use your help. I'm going to include a link in the show notes where you can donate to the 10th Amendment Center. It doesn't have to be a lot, 10 bucks even. Any amount will help us. I'll also link a video that explains our plans for the future. I think you'll find them pretty exciting. But most importantly, please, please turn your eyes away from Washington, D.C. Start looking at what you can do in your own state to push back against federal power and to decentralize our political system. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I appreciate you tuning in. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.